believed you could achieve any success you want, what would you do differently? What would you think differently? Thank you for listening to On the Air with Jeanette Sibley. It's your time for success. I'm coming to you from the Mile High City of Denver, Colorado. My focus each week is to share with you success tips, insights, and how to do it that help you achieve the results and successes you've always wanted in your business, in your career, and in other areas of your life. Are you ready to uncover the success you've always wanted? Keep listening. This quarter, I have created a new series of guests. And what their mission is, is to talk to you, my listeners, about the different jobs that many future and current workers overlook. These are going to be featured once or twice a month and are designed to help you learn more about the opportunities these professions offer. The purpose is not everyone needs or wants a college degree. While I believe education is important, and I'm sure most people would agree, I'm hearing stories about many parents and school advisors that are pushing young people or people needing to transition into different work into getting a degree or furthering their education. As a result, and this is a sad statistic, 44.7 million Americans today have student loan debt, with the average monthly student loan payment being $393 and taking 10 to well past 20 years to repay. That's kind of scary, folks. Sadly, many don't complete the education requirements for a degree or certification, yet still have those student loans that must be repaid. Those who do become college graduates take an average of three to six months to land the first position after graduation and many times find out they don't like the job. My focus today is not on student debt, but on rethinking how to find work that is meaningful to you. While there are many assessments available to help guide people to clarify job fit, Many still have parental, friend, and societal pr uh, pressures, insisting that in order to be successful in life today, you must have a college degree. Instead, I would recommend that you listen to the series of podcasts as a way of expanding your thinking about finding work that you truly enjoy, work that you're actually passionate about. My focus today is on careers and automotive dealerships just one of the many different types of jobs this series over the next several months will focus on. Good news is automotive dealerships often don't require a college degree, but again, that depends on the job, and it doesn't mean that as a technician, you may not need to go to a trade school. The key is if you love cars or vehicles, this may be the type of profession or job to consider questions to ask and answer for yourself are, do you love cars or other types of vehicles? Do you love fixing things so that they work better? Have you ever considered working in an automotive dealership or in the automotive industry? And I love this quote by Gwen Shotwell, the key is to join an industry that you have a passion for. If you love cars, then automotive is where you should end up. As of May of 2018, approximately 2 million people were employed by enterprises in the motor vehicle and parts dealer industry. My guest today is Greg Jones. For the past 40 years, he's been a trainer and consultant 
with automotive dealerships throughout the United States. There are many jobs that go unfilled in dealerships, including jobs for mechanics and parts and service advisors, which are two of the professions that we're going to be focusing on today. In a moment, I will have Greg introduce himself in 20 words or less. As I've mentioned in my earlier podcast and in my book, It's Time to Brag, it's important to keep your intro short and on point to capture others' attention. Greg, welcome. Thank you very much. Very, very much for having me. Well, I appreciate you taking your time. Being from Detroit myself, I appreciate the, the Detroit uh, thought process because used to be when you said Detroit, people automatically knew that meant automotive. But I don't think that's the, the focus today, is it? Well, I don't know. I, I think that's certainly of a downfall in terms of being perceived as the automotive capital for a number of years, probably two or three decades. But uh, good news is here in Detroit, uh, we're kind of on the rebound. The automotive industry in particular is, is coming back fairly strong here. And what's good news is that uh, a lot of people are, are hiring, certainly uh, in the automotives as well as in uh, dealerships. Perfect. So before we get started and talking more about technicians and parts and service advisors and consultants, please share with the audience in 20 words or less who you are. Well, I work with, uh, I consult with dealer principals, people who own dealerships, and uh, very often these folks are frustrated by the loss of customers. So my objective is to help them gain their customers. So why are jobs in the automotive dealerships important today? A lot of people are talking about these driverless cars. They're really focused on light rail, mass transit. So is automotive even a viable industry today? Yes. Uh, every single year we put an additional three million vehicles on the road and wow. uh, those vehicles have to be properly maintained and from time to time irrespective of the um, of the technology and the care that the manufacturers now are taking in terms of quality those vehicles need to be repaired uh, they break down it might be a warranty issue or in other instances it might be simple as just needing a new set of brakes but somebody's got to be out there to fix them keep them running safe yes yeah, particularly if you've ever had a fender bender <laughs> Or somebody scraped the, the side panel of your car or your door. I, had that, I saw that happen with a friend of mine recently. And she was just like all upset that her car had been damaged. But, you know, if you looked at the damage, it wasn't that bad. However, they would have had to remove the entire quarter panel in order to fix it. And that's where the cost comes in. I, I, you're right. I, I think these jobs are going to be here for a lot longer, and they're, they're great opportunities for the right people to consider. Our focus today is to talk about technicians and parts and services advisors. What is the difference? Like, what do these people do? Like, why are they important in a dealership? Well, within a dealership, there are two classes of technicians, really, when you get down to it. You, there are people who have been trained and certified as uh, mechanical technicians. These are the people that repair the drive line, uh, the engine, the transmission, uh, change the brakes out, uh, keep the car running essentially. And then there's the collision center technician. These are the people you just mentioned uh, who work extensively on uh, air. And you know, all those additional vehicles on the road do mean something in terms of additional accidents. <laughs> uh, unfortunately, <laughs> those are up in the kitchen every single year. And, um, Particularly when you hear about all these, these, these big 30, 40, 60 car pileups due to the winter weather. That'll keep a lot of technicians busy for a long time. Yes, and, and in most, at least in this area, I'm not sure how it is out in Denver, but I know here in the Detroit area, 
especially being winter, work is backing up. So uh, a lot of times when it comes to collision repair, independent shops as well as as dealerships aren't able to get started for uh, several weeks. Mm. Simply because of the backlog of business. So that's what a technician does. What does a part and service advisor and consultant do? Well, these are the people that interact with customers that come into a dealership that are experiencing a problem or have a need. So the okay. need might be simple maintenance. The consultant or the advisor interacts with the customer, gets feedback from them about what their needs are, and passes that information on to the technician. In cases where the customer comes in with what we refer to as a drivability problem, so for example, might step on the brakes, they hear a squeal, they don't like that, they're concerned about it, they'll report that to the service advisor or the technician whose responsibility it is to uh, diagnose the problem and, uh, uh, and, and affect the fir- fixed rate the first time repair. Great. And sometimes that includes like a rattle. <laughs> so you got oh, your heat on and stuff is rattling or your radio isn't quite working right or your Bluetooth or whatever it is that you need to entertain yourself. How does somebody become a technician or a parts and service advisor? Like, what is the requirement? Because a college degree is not required, correct? True, a college degree is not required. I will tell you that there are a number of colleges, especially community colleges, who have developed their own vocational programs. Okay. You can go into that uh, facility and you can learn what you need to become a certified automotive technician. So there are vocational schools, schools that are specifically devoted to training auto technicians, and even colleges that have departments within them that perform the same basic training. Mm-hmm. And aren't there some of the, the big automotive companies like Mercedes, GM, and some of these big companies, Ford, Chrysler, I mean, there's just a lot of them. Don't some of them also have like get trained on the job kind of you know, I, I come and I'm being trained, but I'm also being paid during that time. Yes, yes, indeed. Uh, you know, here's the, the bottom line, at least right now. And this has been the trend for the better part of, oh, 15 years or so. We are every year in need of about twice as many technicians as those vocational schools and colleges are graduating. So wow. there's an enormous imbalance between what is needed in the market to meet customers' needs and what's available. This represents a substantial opportunity for people who have an interest in automotive, have some mechanical aptitude, and have an interest in learning. The good news is, yes, in many instances, the dealership that hires a person, or for that matter, even organizations such as General Motors, or even an organization like NADA, that stands for the National Auto Dealers Association, this is a serious enough issue that all of them are developing their own solutions around the notion. So General Motors will participate not only in training technicians, but will also subsidize that training. Oh, wow. In many instances, uh, a dealership that hires a technician or hires somebody, let's say, start in their uh, lube department, doesn't require much certification or a lot of training, but it's a good way to get started. They will train those folks, uh, send, pay to send them to school, even help them invest in the tooling necessary to do the work. So dealerships today are having to uh, confront this issue much more creatively than they have in the past. Just a matter of filling a job opening. Now, not only do you have a job opening to fill, but you've got people to train to fill it. Wow, that, that's remarkable. But how does somebody know if they are suited for this kind of job? 
not everybody's suited. Like you would not want me as a mechanic. <laughs> I mean, I love cars, but I don't, I don't love cars mechanically speaking. So if it works, I love it. If it doesn't work, like well, art. You asked that question. <laughs> I, you asked that question and right away, what, who comes to mind uh, for me as my nephew, Peter. Mm. And uh, right from the time he was very young, he was about the business of taking things apart and putting them back together again. And it's something to see a four-year-old trying to pull an electrical outlet apart. <laughs> but, uh, he would do it. And, uh, put it back together again. Pete had a, a predilection, a uh, predisposition to things mechanical. That aptitude very often appears earlier in life, perhaps, than later. I would agree. I mean, I, I've seen people who've taken apart vacuum cleaners or clocks and put them back together. And some of them go into the IT world and some of them go into the mechanical world or technician, automotive kind of world. I mean, there's a real need for people like that. And a lot of these jobs do not require a college degree, they, but they do require an interest because you're not just taking a job to put the widget into the, the right place. You actually have to use your thought process to identify a problem and how to solve it, correct? Oh, absolutely. The, uh, the job is full of what we call decision trees. So you're having a particular problem, you report that problem, that'll take you to a, a decision tree and it'll ask you a series of questions that you have to answer. Uh, so the technician will, will look at a, a particular problem, uh, let's just say the car's not starting, uh, they'll go to that tree, it'll start asking them questions, and they'll have to answer those questions. And in answering them, invariably, it helps them get to the diagnosis, helps them mm. identify what the problem is. In some cases, it's simple as that. In other cases, uh, they're going to have to use some electronic uh, gadgetry to that same purpose, some diagnostic tooling that will allow them to determine uh, essentially what system perhaps may be reporting the issue of the problem. But one of the good pieces of news here is that because of the sophistication associated with today's automotive technology, very often the car itself is talking to the technician, telling the technician what's wrong with it and telling, him, telling that technician where to go, find the problem and fix it. Wow, that's just fascinating. So there's a lot to learn. How, do, how is the best way to learn how to fix a car? Or We haven't really talked a lot about parts and service yet. Where do you go to learn about the different parts and how to order them and how to maintain an inventory and things of that nature? Well, as far as that particular work is concerned, it tends to be more on-the-job training. You would be hard-pressed to find a school that would work to bring you up to speed about how to be a service advisor or a parts advisor. Uh, more often than not, that, uh, that work is learned on the job, meaning that for example, somebody working in the service department as a service advisor was likely at some previous point, well, let's say a vehicle porter, somebody that moves vehicles from one, one part of the dealership to another, might have worked in the car wash at the dealership or might have been a greeter, and over time learned the processes necessary to do the work of an advisor or as a consultant. The same would be true in parts. Uh, I worked in the what of aftermarket. I sold parts for, oh, 20, 25 years. And when I started in that business, I didn't know a carburetor from a holograph. <laughs> uh, but over time, by virtue of experience and trial and error and the like, uh, I, learned, uh, I learned not only the parts and where they went, how to sell them, how to look them up. And it's really important for people when they come into a store, they get the right parts. So we learn the importance of that as well. 
Yeah, I would agree. And like I said earlier, I love cars as long as they're working. I get in and put the key in the ignition, turn it on. Whoop, it works. Cool. And so I'm, I understand you don't even need a key anymore. Just press a button, right? <laughs> <laughs> However, you, you should never hire me as a mechanic. I would shy away from that kind of work. Why do most people, people who are not aware of opportunities in the automotive dealerships, why would most people shy away from those types of jobs? Well, they, they are technical in nature. Again, they require some interest and aptitude in mechanics, uh, taking things apart, putting them back together again. Mm -hmm. uh, it is definitely a puzzle more often than not. And you've got a difficult problem to diagnose. It is much like a puzzle. So you got to like doing that kind of work. It is detailed. And um, you have to turn a wrench. Uh, and every once in a while, you're going to bang your knuckles on a piece of metal, might cut them up a little bit. So it can be a, a tough job in that context. But more often than not, for the people that uh, do the work, it's pretty rewarding because you start with something that's not working and something the person really needs very desperately. I mean, technicians do is really important in that they get vehicles back on the road. And that means uh, we can get to work on time. It means we can get to the doctor. The point is uh, that technician is responsible making sure that we have it and it works the way it's supposed to. Yeah, and that can be very rewarding in and of itself, particularly if you have a mother who comes in and she's got three kids and she's trying to get her kids to soccer practice or dance and it's just a quick fix and you know that and you fix it and it really makes your day. Oh, so, right. absolutely. absolutely. Yeah. So what so, type of pay rates and benefits are available in dealerships? Well, the good news is the, the rates are going up. And the reason the rates are going up is because the available people to fill spots going down. As I said earlier, every about 76,000 openings for technicians in dealerships across the country. Right now, uh, we're graduating at about 37,000 people a year. Wow. So that difference is substantial, and that total number is building every year. A lot of people that are interested in this kind of work, we have what I think you like when you go out to find the work. Uh, you've got options. You don't have to work for the first place that hires you. In fact, you can allow, you know, all those prospective uh, employers to uh, interview you, but you can interview them as well. You can talk about what it is that makes their particular business stand out, especially in terms of the technician's experience in that business. You know, what's it like to work here? Uh, uh -huh. How do you take care of your people? What are the things that you do to help people stay on the cutting edge of their learning? What is your compensation? And how does that compare to other people in the same business. When you have this kind of imbalance between what's needed and what's available as a job hunter, as a job seeker, assuming you have the interest, you've got leverage. And that's very, very important. Do most dealerships provide like a full healthcare type insurance, that benefit package? Yeah. Uh, and, and again, they're getting so much more serious about this. Uh, for the most part, when you're hired into a dealership as a technician, you're going to work on average about 46 hours a week. That's okay. the average across the country. In your first year doing mixed mechanical work, you're probably going to get into anywhere between thirty-seven dollars and $40,000 a year. It's a good way to start. A master technician can easily earn $100,000 or more every year. That's more than some college graduates. Oh, it absolutely is. No question. Now, here in Michigan, if you're going to work on vehicles, you have to pass state certification, which means you go get the training. For example, you take some training in how to repair brake system. Then you go take the state test 
and you have the credentials now to work in a repair facility, dealership included, to that purpose. Now, a step up from that is what we call ASE. <laughs> it stands for Automotive Service Excellence. Okay. Specifically, what you like to become is an ASE certified mechanic. And there are about 12 disciplines that you can earn your certification in. The more disciplines that you earn your certification in, the more valuable you are and the less likely anyone wants to let go of you. Exactly. So there is some job so, security um, there. <laughs> oh, big time job security. No question about it. Because while technicians in general are in short supply, those that have those real substantial skill sets, those folks that can, can do the real substantial work, the heavy work, if you will, uh, the rebuilding of a transmission, the in-depth electrical diagnosis, analysis, and repair, those are the folks that bring in the bigger bucks. Just that simple. Very good. We've talked about different types of training and benefits and pay that's available. And hopefully some of the listeners who are interested in getting their hands dirty, so to speak, and not afraid to to play with the computer and, you know, play with the, the carburetor and other components of the automobile. But where would I go? What would be the best thing for me to do to, to find not only if I would be interested, like the aptitude, but also what would be the best course of action? Like, do I go through one of the big automakers or do I go to a dealership to learn on the job? Like, where do I go? And do I get paid for that schooling? If you just start with the schooling, the, probably the easy answer is no, you wouldn't get paid for it. So I think it really makes sense to begin at the dealership level. What I mean by that is an entry-level job, uh, and in a mechanical context, that would be um, in, in what we call quick loop, oil and filter changes, tire rotations, relatively simple work, but high volume work at a dealership. They do a lot of it. A great way to engage with the process of repair and to get a notion about whether it's the kind of work you like or not. While you're doing that work, a good dealership will put you into training. They'll okay. put you into training, that, and, and there's, there's two roads you're going to take. One would be a, a kind of a vocational road, meaning that it would either be a dedicated automotive vocational school or a department within a college that works to that same basic purpose. They would more often than not pay for your learning, assuming that your grades were uh, of a certain standard. Okay. It says when you sign up, uh, we'll pay for this work so long as you're passing, so long as you're coming from. Which most companies would do regardless of the profession. Exactly. They're not just going to pay for a degree if you're not taking the classes, doing the work, and getting the grades. Yes, absolutely. Absolutely. It's a good way to start. The other thing that, that's beneficial in terms of starting out, for example, at a dealership is that each of the brands that a dealership represents, so for example, a brand would be General Motors. If I'm working in a General Motors dealership and I'm a technician, I am also going to be on their curriculum. What I mean by that is the, uh, the, the brand, the manufacturer of General Motors, requires of its dealership base to train their people their own internal training. So you're taking kind of two tracks, one uh, in the vocational context, and you get kind of the, the general knowledge that you need to be a, a repair person. And then when you're working for General Motors, they're going to give you lots of details that relates all objects, but within the, the context of General Motors vehicles in particular. Okay. When we've talked in the past, did you not mention that you could get trained on the job and be paid for that? Because I know I keep harping on that, but I want to make sure that that's a, something that's even viable. When you are doing training in the dealership, normally you're on the clock. 
Okay. On the job training is compensated. So one might be a lube technician doing that kind of work, earning that income while going to school. It isn't the kind of work that necessarily requires 40 hours. You know, you can become a lube technician, work part-time basis, 20, 30 hours a week, take the balance of the time you have available to yourself for the purpose of training in a vocational school or a college. And then, again, have your employer pay for that, plus earn what you would normally earn over the course of time that you, that you work each week. To me, I just think that's just a great opportunity for people who are interested in that kind of work. And unfortunately, some of them have been misinformed as to the viability of that occupation. Okay, you can go get this job. You're probably always going to be in demand, or at least for a long time. You're not incurring a lot of debt here, like student loans or things of that nature, because you're getting paid while you work on the job and then Sometimes they're even paying your school to take that next level. And you're probably getting some kind of a benefit package. So to me, it's like a win-win for people who are interested in that type of, of work, finding out more about it. Yeah, very much so. And it allows you to go into it methodically. In other words, it's, mm-hmm. it's more of a process, if you will. And once you get comfortable, you take another step and you, and you move along. You know, the objective here is basically to uh, develop your skills over time to earn those certifications because with those certifications comes uh, additional opportunity and some amazing earning opportunities as well. That's great. Well, I want to thank you for sharing with myself and the listeners the different types of opportunities for technicians and parts and service advisors and the fact that we're going to need you guys and gals now and in the future. So please consider this if it's something that you're interested in. As I ask all of my guests, Greg, what does success mean to you? What does success mean to me? Well, well, that's a really good question. I guess the way I would answer that is I've always perceived success not only uh, in terms of what I might earn, either in in terms of uh, pay or appreciation, uh, but moreover, what I have learned in the work that I've done and the extent to which I can share that with others and influence their performance in a positive way. Opportunity uh, to share and help other people grow in their uh, respective job. I consider myself successful and I've had that opportunity and I've struck well with it. Well, and having known you for, and worked with you off and on for five years, I would say you're very committed to people in the automotive dealerships being successful. And so my hat goes off to you. So thank you. Good. Just for, uh, if you wouldn't mind, just Go ahead. And understanding, you might want to thread this in, I'm not really sure, but I should tell you that the average technician in a America, uh, the average pay is $61,000, which is an excellent rate. Uh, and again, many of them earn well north of $100,000 each and every year. And again, that's a lot more than many college graduates will earn in their first five to 10 years. No doubt. It's not for everybody. <laughs> <laughs> So for my listeners, the URL for Greg's Jones website is provided in the podcast overview for On the Air with Jeanette Sibley. It's your time for success. I want to thank you for listening to On the Air with Jeanette Sibley. It's your time for success. Tune in next week for more insights on how to achieve the success you've always wanted with my straight talk for dynamic results. Until next week, enjoy a successful week.